All right, good morning. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministry. My name is Dwayne. This is a teaching ministry that is designed uh, to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today, we are going to continue our study in the book of Acts, chapter number 14. So let's go ahead and open our Bibles up. Acts chapter number 14, and this is, we're going to finish out chapter number 14 today by picking up in verse number 19. Verse number 19, this is where we find Paul being stoned at Lystra. Uh, the previous verses, uh, verses 17 and 18, Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice to him. As you remember, they came into the city, and because of the miracles that they performed, they compared them to Jupiter and Mercury and began to call them gods. And we talked about a little bit of history as to why they decided to do that. And then Paul concludes with, nevertheless, he left himself not without, not without a witness. Uh, and of course, we spoke of general revelation and uh, sp special revelation. General revelation comes through nature. Um, comes through conscience, comes through history. All of those things point to a God. And um, Paul in the book of Romans says that leaves man without an excuse. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. It's enough to condemn a man, general revelation alone. And then we go into special revelation. Uh, special revelation is when God reveals himself to men directly in a personal way. Uh, it is information that cannot be learned in any other way but through God. And it must be accepted by faith. So we talked about that. And then verse number 19 is where we're going to pick up today. And there came thither certain of the Jews from Antioch and Iconium and persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing that he had been dead. Notice that these unbelieving Jews followed Paul and Barnabas from Antioch and Iconium to persuade the people to stone him. I mean, imagine the virulent hatred that these people had for him. Now, in regards to the stoning, most people believe that this is what Paul was referring to in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, when he says, It's not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. And, of course, um, time-wise, this seems to be what Paul is talking about, this stoning outside of Lystra, and he says, whether I was in the body, I cannot tell. Whether I was out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. In other words, he didn't know if he was dead or alive. Such a one was caught up into the third heaven. So Paul began to share this experience in Acts chapter 14 in his testimony over in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And the Bible does speak of three heavens. It speaks of the first heaven where the birds fly. It speaks of the second heaven where the stars and the planets are. And it speaks of the third heaven as the abode of God. Now, Paul here says he was caught up to the third heaven in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's look over there. See there? I was caught up into the third heaven, the abode of God. Now, look in 2 Corinthians, same chapter, 
12, 3 through 6, and let's look a little bit at Paul's testimony here. He says, And I knew such a man, whether in body or out of body, I cannot tell, God knows, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for men to utter. Of such a one I would glory, yet of, of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I shall say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. I find it interesting that Paul put himself down here. It's apparent from Scripture that Paul's appearance was nothing to brag about. Um, in Galatians chapter 4, in verse number 12, for example, notice what it says. It says, Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am. For I am as ye are, ye have not injured me at all. Ye know how that th through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness ye speak of? For I forbear, for I bear you record, that if it had been possible that you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So that gives us a little bit of a hint that Paul had some kind of infirmity that may have had something to do with his eyes. Uh, as a matter of fact, he saw himself as contemptible. Um, in 2 Corinthians 10, 9 and 10, that I may not seem as I would terrify you by letters, for his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. Um, so it seems that Paul had some kind of physical infirmity because here back in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12, Notice what he says here, of such a one I would glory, yet of myself I would not glory, but in mine infirmities. So he definitely had an infirmity. Uh, there was something about him that was repulsive in a way. And he says that the, through that, through that infirmity, um, God used him Um so Paul always tended to put himself down when it came, or at least he he repeated what he had heard in regards to his own physical appearance. And and he he always said he was the least in 1 Corinthians 59, for I am the least of the apostles that I might not be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He never claimed himself to be something beyond what he wasn't. Uh, at least what he felt he wasn't, but obviously he had tremendous amounts of impact on the the early church. But I, I just find it interesting how he perceived himself and yet how we look back on him now and imagine where we would be. I mean, he wrote the, the majority of the New Testament where we would be without the Apostle Paul. He continues his testimony in 2 Corinthians twelve seven when he says, and lest I should be exalted by measure, 
through an abundance of revelations. So, in other words, he says, lest I should be made more of than I am through the abundance of the revelations that God has given to me. And God did give Paul. And this speaks to the fact that God gave Paul revelations that were abundant. And obviously, even the gospel of grace was more than he gave the other 12. And he says, there was given unto me a thorn in my flesh, or in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, that thorn, we don't know what that thorn was, but if we go back to Galatians and him talking about you, you would pluck out your eyes for me. Um, he's contemptible to look at. Uh, excuse me, it seems to indicate that there was something about Paul's eyes that was might have been that thorn in the flesh that he's referring to. And, and he, he says in Galatians 6 and 1, for example, when he finished the book, he says, Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you in mine own hand. Why would Paul say, you see how large a letter I've written unto you in mine own hand? I mean, obviously, whatever he was doing was not something he had previously done. And what that tells me and tells most uh, Bible teachers is that Paul didn't pen his own letters, but... He dictated them and someone else wrote them because of the eye problem that he had. Because he says, see how large letters I've written unto you. You ever looked over uh, at a uh, computer screen of someone who struggles with eyesight and how big the letters are because <laughs> they can't see. And of course, Paul is writing and he writes large letters and he says, this is so serious. And of course, I find it interesting what he's talking to the Galatians about is that they have believed uh, a fake gospel. And we've talked about that. That fake gospel was the, the conflation of the gospel of kingdom with the gospel of grace, which is no gospel at all, he said. And he said, this is so serious that I've written it in my own hand. And you can tell that by the large letters that I've used. And he says in verse number eight in his testimony, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. In other words, he asked the Lord to heal him. And he said unto him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, I have given you this thorn to actually uh, keep you where I want you to be. My grace is sufficient. In other words, healing did not come, even though he had asked for it three times. And he found out that his strength was found in his weakness. Um, and I find that interesting because I think God gives us all a weakness plural, weaknesses, that force us to stay on our knees, that forces us to rely upon him and not ourselves. Um, it's the old expression, self-made men tend to worship their creator. Um, but men who know their imperfections, men who know their weaknesses, their potential downfall, are going to rely a lot more on God to take care of them. And that's what the Apostle Paul, and if anybody had reason to brag, it was the Apostle Paul. He said, most gladly, therefore, 
I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, I wouldn't trade my infirmities for the power of Christ. I'd rather the power of Christ and keep mine infirmities. That's what he's saying. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in necessities. I take pleasure in persecutions. I take pleasure in distresses for Christ's sake. It doesn't mean he just takes pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, necessities and persecutions or distresses for his own sake. I mean, what fool would want that? But I will for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, so whatever it was, whatever infirmity uh, that Paul had, God used it to keep him focused. And God does the same today. He uses our weaknesses to keep him focused. Now notice in verse number, uh, back in verse number 20, back in Acts chapter number 14, as we start to wrap up uh, the chapter here. I've been bouncing all over the place. Uh, in chapter number 20, or chapter number 14, verse number 20, Howbeit, as the disciples stood around about him, he rose up and came into the city the next day and departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when he had preached the gospel in that city and taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium, confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to unpack these verses over the next couple of days. Notice it says, however, how be it? As the disciples stood around about him, he rose up. <laughs> in other words, he's laying there in the dirt. He's having this in-body, out-of-body experience. He doesn't know exactly what it was. He stands up. And he came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And when he had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to the very place that he was stoned. <laughs> Lystra, and to Iconium, and to Antioch. And what were they doing? Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. Now, I can't help but notice that as he turned around and went back to the very place that he was stoned, that is a calling right there. And I make a distinction between a burden and a call. A burden, I can be burdened about a lot of things, but that doesn't mean that God has called me to do anything about it. I can be burdened for, you know, um, someone else's needs. I can be burdened with, you know, the starvation of a people group. I can be burdened with, you know, the, the, with with a group of people or a situation, but that does not necessarily mean that God's called me to do something about it. There's a difference between a burden and a call, and we need to make sure before we step out that God has called us to step out. We can't just move on burdens, because I have a lot of burdens, but that doesn't mean that God has called me um, to, it's the old saying, God doesn't uh, call the equipped, but he equips the called. 
So if you want to be equipped, you better make sure you're responding in the call and not just the burden. Uh, the safest place for a child of God to be is in the will of God. And to stay in that will of God, you better make sure you're moving in the calling of God, the gifts and the callings of God, and not burdens, because burdens may not necessarily be of the Lord. The most dangerous place a child of God can be is out of the will of God. I remember when I first moved away from home, <clears throat> South Carolina, in 1997, my family and I relocated to Guatemala. Um, we had just bought a house, a dream home, um, up on the mountain, block and a half from my grandmother's home. And, you know, I would go to work and, you know, she would come over and watch our children. Um, just unbelievably awesome situation. <laughs> and we believe that God was telling us to sell everything we had and move to Guatemala. And my grandmother pulled me up one day and she said, uh, I would rather you be in the will of God halfway around the world than out of the will of God a block away from me. And that was unbelievable. I never forgotten it. There's no, the safest place a child could be, a child of God can be. It can be even in a war zone. It can be at some violent border in Latin America. The safest place a child of God can be is in the will of God. And in order to stay in that will, we need to differentiate sometimes between burdens and calls for they're different. Uh, we're going to look at, next time we get together, this part right here where he says, he went back confirming the souls. These are the people that he had led to the Lord when he went up into Asia Minor. He goes back through these churches and he's exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that faith is the... Um, the grace gospel, the death, burial, the resurrection, uh, the death, burial, and the resurrection, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. What's he talking about there? Uh, we're going to talk about that next time. God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.